right, thanks for standing by for this event for us right here. In case you've been living under a rock for the last week, uh, two weeks, you probably might not have heard of the Artemis One launch happening Saturday after a scrub launch earlier this week. Hopefully everything's going to go off without a hitch this Saturday. It's going to be a great day for science and all those who study it and also just a further evolution of man's journey into space, into the great unknown, to study, to push our own limits and figure out what else we can do out there in the great beyond, which we've been doing for decades now. And this is going to be the latest venture out there. But I am not a scientist. The farthest thing from, I got my journalism degree, I can write pretty words, say pretty words, but when it comes to the actual science of everything, I am not the expert. So, in order to make me look better and bring you premium quality content here on Local News Live, we brought in a scientist, meteorologist Anthony Carpina with our great TV station WRDW based in Augusta, Georgia. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, but not just meteorologist, he's been proclaimed by his station to be, uh, I believe the technical term is space nerd. I, hey, I will definitely go with that term. I'm definitely, I, I count myself as a space nerd, a weather nerd, just kind of nerd in general. And everyone is probably laughing behind me here, but it is true. I, I love science and I really love space. And when you talk about going back to the moon, something that we haven't seen in uh, a couple generations, it, it, how can you not be excited about it? It's honestly the things we've been seeing since we were little kids. I remember my uh, mom got me a VHS. Say yes, VHS is the things we used to put in the VCRs mm. of like all the space missions up until the 90s. And we would just sit enraptured in awe watching all of that old footage. You know, for the people who have not quite heard what this mission is all about, Anthony, go ahead and break it down for us. Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be the Artemis 1 mission. So this is just a test flight. So when uh, NASA likes to do uh, any kind of new mission, they want to make sure all their equipment works properly. They did this with Apollo, with all of the missions that were before Apollo, they're doing the same thing now. So this is Artemis 1. It is going to be the same gear that will eventually get us landed back on the moon. But again, they want to make sure that everything is working the way it's supposed to. So they're going to be hopefully launching tomorrow afternoon at the Cape Canaveral uh, Center there in Florida, on the on the uh, east coast of Florida. That's going to hopefully launch at 2.17 in the afternoon. Now they will have about a two-hour window for that flight uh, to occur. Now the couple factors are going to be, of course, any kind of technical issues. Hopefully they worked out all the kinks there. And then uh, the next big factor is going to be course, the weather and the latest forecast from the 45th weather squadron has about a 40 to 20 percent chance of the mission not happening or in other words having it about a 60 to 80 percent chance of actually seeing a launch so fingers are going to be crossed for sure as we look toward tomorrow but once the if the rocket can actually launch uh, it's going to be carrying uh, about I believe it's about eight and a half or 8.8 .8 million pounds of thrust. So it's a lot of power for this rocket. It's the most powerful rocket that's NASA, that NASA's ever created, even more powerful than the Apollo uh, uh, missions, the Saturn V rocket that launched everyone to the moon back in the 60s and 70s. So when this uh, rocket launches, it's going to go into space. Just like the space shuttle, it ha will have two side boosters. Those will end up detaching, falling back to Earth, and they'll be able to reuse those in later missions like Artemis 2, 3, 
and four. Once again, the rocket goes into space, all that will detach. And then the Orion craft, which is what the astronauts are going to sit in when we actually have astronauts on board, that will circle the Earth and get a slingshot, help it to its journey as it goes towards the moon. It will circle the moon a couple of times. Actually, I think they're going to end up deploying a couple of CubeSats along with it, so little mini satellites to help us get some more bearings and more visuals on the moon, if you will. It will do that a couple of times, and then it will make its way back to Earth and eventually splash down in the Pacific Ocean, just like the Apollo missions back in the 60s and 70s. So definitely looking forward to uh, this upcoming mission. Actually, one uh, thing I want to point out too, the difference in time with this mission. So this is going to be about a three to four week long period. Uh, so a lot longer than the Apollo missions for this task flight. The Apollo missions, I believe, were about seven to about nine days or so, just depending on the mission itself. Um, so excuse me, this is going to be a lot longer than that. Again, about three to four weeks. So something to kind of keep an eye on even after we get past tomorrow. You see, Mr. S Mr. Carpino, this is exactly why we brought you on this context, <laughs> not just from a scientific perspective, but from the history of our space program. You're just an absolute wealth of knowledge. You know, when you talked about the percentage of getting that launch, up off the ground or possibly it being scrubbed. So a 40% chance of scrub, but like you said, we could look at it glass half full, 60 to 80% <laughs> successful launch. Now, when you look at that as a meteorologist, when you're putting out those percentage chances for rain or any other severe weather, how do you see those chances? Well, when I look at that, there's there's a lot that goes in. Like when you're doing a forecast in general, there's a lot that goes into just your standard weather forecast that all of us use and look at our phones for kind of every day. But when you want to know something about a space launch, there's just so much that goes into it. You have your ground observations that uh, you're used to seeing all the time. Like when you look at radar, when you get notifications on your phone from one of your local uh, weather uh, station apps, you get all those kind of uh, observations. But the rocket's going to be flying, and it doesn't only just fly up. It flies up, and it flies off to the east. So you need to forecast not only conditions at the launch pad, but as that rocket travels downwind, if you will, of uh, Cape Canaveral. So there's a lot that goes into it, especially the surface, the mid-levels, and the upper levels, because this thing has to pass through the entire atmosphere before it gets into space. So there is a lot that goes into it. You have to look at uh, types of clouds. You don't want to be flying into uh, any kind of convective cloud cover because that's just convection, a massive rocket. The things don't like to uh, combine. If there's lightning in the area, electricity and a rocket, that doesn't really mix all that well. That makes for a large firework, and that's not what we want to have happen as we go through the launch tomorrow. So um, folks on the ground at NASA, they're really going to be paying close attention to the conditions both on the ground as well as higher up into the atmosphere. Absolutely, Anthony. And then the one thing else that I wanted to point out was, you know, earlier today, you put together special graphics in <laughs> during your forecast talking about this launch, because honestly, when you think visually like that and you create graphics like that to really grab people's attention and communicate the importance and the breadth of this mission, mm -hmm. you know, it, to have another chance to communicate, to put it in your own words, what would you tell the people about how important this is to pay attention to? Yeah, no, absolutely. When I, 
I, I'm more of a, of a scientist, a weather nerd. So for me, I love talking about numbers and just, you know, talk about the history of it. But I know that doesn't work for everybody. I'm more of a visual person too. So I love being able to show uh, everyone in a visual way. So we created a few 3D graphics. We made our own little rocket in the studio and had it lift off in the middle of the studio, but also demonstrated the path that the uh, capsule will end up taking uh, as it goes through the upcoming uh, mission. So just being able to break it down visually for everybody, because when you think of how far away the moon is and how much energy and power it takes to kind of get into space, uh, it, it helps me at least to kind of break it down on that visual level to get everyone to understand that this is a massive undertaking and to, uh, the easiest way for everyone to understand how that works is, is what I'm kind of aiming for there for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was completely well done. It looked like y'all do that just on any day. <laughs> it was very, very <laughs> well executed. Uh, the viewers are getting a chance to see that on the bigger screen on their right. See your handiwork there uh, personally. And, you know, just not only your opinion as a meteorologist and clearly a space historian as well, but <laughs> just as a person, as an American, as someone who, like all of us, looks up at the sky at the day and night and wonders what else is out there, what's going through your mind when you see a mission like this? No, absolutely. So um, I was born in the late 90s, so I never was around for any of the Apollo era uh, missions. And for most of my entire life, it's either be it's been low Earth orbit. We haven't sent, we've, other than... Um, uh, rovers to Mars or anything like that. We've never had humans go past low Earth orbit, orbit since the Apollo uh, missions, really. And to uh, think that we're part of that history, that that monumental history in, in American history, where we get to go back to the moon, we get to say to our kids, to our grandkids eventually, yeah, we were there for our second shot at it. And they're going to be able to be a part of events like going to Mars and they're going to be able to talk to their kids about, I was there when we first went to Mars. So being able to be on those stepping stones throughout history is just something that's incredible. There's not a lot of words to describe it. Um, I really am kind of jealous of all the folks, honestly, that are down in Florida that get a chance to kind of actually witness history in the making there, seeing those missions go off. And you, you can talk about that with any kind of space mission, too. When we had SpaceX first do their launches, having private companies get involved, that's not just the government sector, private industry, and seeing where that goes to, you can, you can talk about any kind of realm, just being able to see it in real time and say that I was there, I was able to watch that. It, it, it's indescribable. It, it's really amazing. It's a, you're right, it's very hard to find words like that, but it's just this sense of pride, this sense of knowledge of the moment, knowledge of this point in history and being alive in it. And you start to wonder, what did our parents or what did our grandparents think about when they were at certain points in history? It's, it's so large in scale when you start getting into those thoughts. And then we all know what happens once you get that existential, then you're just like, whoa, let's pull back for a second. But this is obviously cause for much excitement. Are you going to be able to drive down there yourself, Anthony? Well, I've been, I've been thinking about that a little bit. So I'm deciding if I'm going to just kind of sit here in Augusta, Georgia and just watch it on my TV screen, or do I make the six and a half hour drive early tomorrow morning and see if I can actually kind of catch it myself. So it's about a six and a half, 
maybe seven hour drive to Cape Canaveral from here in Augusta. So I'm gonna have to mull that over as I go through tonight, maybe go to bed early, maybe make my way down there. Uh, I have heard, I don't know how, how true this is that in general, if you're in the state of Florida, that you should have a good shot, at least seeing it in the distance, seeing the rocket go in the distance. So I may not have to drive all the way to Canaveral, maybe just go uh, to some of those Northern cities along the coast as well. So I'll have to make that decision tonight because I, I definitely want to see it. Do I want to drive six and a half hours? Yeah, kind of, we'll make that decision later on tonight. <laughs> go, <coughs> totally go. <coughs> Live stream it. <coughs> Send it to us. What? Oh, so sorry. I, I got a little uh, stuff in my throat there. But thanks for bearing with me there, Anthony. But uh, once again, for all of those joining us, this is Anthony Carpino, meteorologist at our great TV station, WRDW in Augusta, Georgia. And I'm not just going to call him a space nerd anymore. I've been listening to him for this entire interview. I'm calling him certified space historian. Like this is, this is the man you want to go to for all of your space talks, which means that this will not be the last time we bring you on mr carpino thank you so much for joining us now again we will be carrying that launch hopeful launch live here on local news live at 1 p.m central standard time 2 p.m eastern and we'll be featuring this interview with anthony and so many other interviews and segments done by our more than 120 local gray tv stations all across the nation so look forward to that we'll bring all that for you right here on local news live